0: Hi, sports fans. This is Bruce Firestone, founder of the Ottawa Senators. You are listening to the Third Line Plug, SANScast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, SensCast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, how's it going, sir?
1: Uh, it's going really good. Uh, honestly, exciting times. Uh, the NHL's crowned a new champion in September, almost. This might be the longest NHL season i ever Probably will ever see. And then on top of that, we got draft coming up tomorrow.
0: Yep, and free agency at the end of the week.
1: Free agency at the end of the week. And big things are happening in my personal life too. So uh, fun times had by all.
0: Yep, and we also can't forget that the Ottawa Senators will be unveiling their New Jersey tomorrow. Officially. Officially. So Tim, let's talk a little bit about today's episode. Because today's episode is the conclusion to our coverage of the 2020 NHL playoffs. Today's episode, we are going to be recapping the Stanley cup finals. And I think you put it best right off the top, Tim, that really this has been the longest NHL season that any of us have seen. I mean, honestly, how long did that season last? Like three years?
1: <laughs> well, uh, actually it was funny. I was reading, uh, Dom, with wins, a look back at his season starting predictions. And, uh, the season ended 360 days after it started. I think uh, we could probably get away with calling the 2019-2020 NHL season the long season.
0: Yeah. or that's just absurd. Or maybe we just call it the COVID year.
1: COVID year. I don't know. The long season has like a sense of foreboding and ill will towards it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I guess in the next couple of seasons... As we are going to be still in the COVID pandemic, maybe these will be referred to as the COVID years.
1: (laughs) Maybe someone could start a hockey blog with that sort of name.
0: Maybe. Welcome
1: to your COVID years. Who's to say?
0: Oh, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. So, Tim, before we go into any further, let's talk a little bit about our week. Now, I'm going to start off first because, as you know... I'm running both our social media accounts, my own and at Third Line Blog on Twitter. Yep, yep. So an old friend of ours, Joseph Saint Amour, former podcast guest and co-host, he and I got reacquainted again. He's he was off Twitter for about six months, give or take. He just kind of needed a break, and so we were talking the other day, and I think it's safe to say that a new era of sense blogging is coming.
1: Ooh, is Jason Saint Amour starting up a new blog?
0: Yes, so he has co-founded a brand new Ottawa Senators blog called A New Era, or sorry, New Era Sends, sorry Joseph. So he did, so he co-founded this with a couple of guys from Sends Twitter, including Neftali Clinton, friend of the show and follows us on Twitter, and Nick Dumoulin. So I was talking to him there today, and I got a couple of things that we need to talk about. You can find them at New Era Sends on Twitter. Their website is live right now. In the next couple of days, you're going to see some really great content coming out of them at newerascends.com. Follow them on Twitter and let them know that we sent you.
1: I'm going to go right now. I think that is a pretty logo.
0: I know, right? And I mean, you know what's really weird? You know, when I first saw the logo, my first thought was, how come it looks like Dilbert?
1: I can kind of see that, like Dilbert with the Centurion helmet. Yeah. But yeah, no, it looks it looks good and it looks like they got a nice chunky blog to start up for a lot of people to chew over, so yeah, no, that sounds like an awesome project and I want to see where that goes.
0: Me too, man. Like I'm really excited for him because you know like like I said he's been a former podcast guest. He was a co-host here on Third Line Plug and he also let me know that with New Era Sends, they're also going to be doing a Sends podcast as well.
1: Ooh. Fancy stuff. Maybe I can go be awkward on his podcast now.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe if you want to be awkward, you can say that maybe New Era Sends was riding the coattails of uh, certain Sends podcasts you might be listening to. That's not the point, though. Oh, e- it
1: looks e- like you're you're really going in on that one, eh?
0: Yeah, they're really not going to ask us to come on now, are they?
1: <laughs> uh, that's just like, it's a boat on the same level as is the Seaboard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. So, now that we got that out of the way, and again, congratulations to Joseph, Naftali. I, I really do apologize if I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. And to Nick as well at New Era Sends. Go check them out. And let them know that we sent you. So let's talk a little bit about our week, Tim. Now, this has been a pretty good week because not only are we concluding our coverage of the NHL playoffs. The playoffs actually ended uh, last this time last Monday. But I believe in your... As you said, in your own personal life, there's been a new development that has emerged. Now, would you like to share with the listeners what that is?
1: Well, it's not a new development. It's a resale home. But, yeah, Chelsea and I bought a house.
0: Man, that is that is awesome to hear, man. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, so uh, we'll be moving probably somewhere close to mid-month, end of the month, somewhere in that range. It was... We moved really quickly on this, uh, and it's funny because uh, about two episodes back when we were doing the third-round coverage, you might have noticed that Tay and I were moving pretty darn quick. There were documents to sign, and I was liable to be off the podcast at any moment to run off, hand something off to the realtor and sign something. Yeah, so as we moved very quickly, uh, we went from uh, making an offer to close sale in about a, less than a month.
0: That's really fantastic. That's fantastic. So, I guess that today's episode will be the... Can we say this will be the final episode in the old studio? Uh,
1: Depends when we do the draft episode.
0: That is true. That is true. Actually, speaking of the draft, Tim, I guess we should make a little announcement right here that... It's gonna to come to as no surprise. Our next episode here on the Third hour of the Plug SenseCast is gonna be our recap of the two thousand and twenty Ottawa Senators Draft Class. Now, a little disappointment, even though we are gonna be doing the Sense draft class, which I'm very excited to do, because of everything going on, we won't be doing our prices right free agency episode this year. I know, it's it's been it's been a really
1: It's an institution ha- at this point.
0: It has been, but you know what? Unfortunately, with everything going on, it had to happen. But I don't want to say any, I don't want to give too many details away, but we might be working on a little something something in the future. So make sure that you keep your guys' eyes on our Twitter account for that.
1: Yeah, I think that's most of the stuff we probably want to talk about. Uh, Although I know we were talking before the episode started, but uh, I know you want to talk a bit about the Bobby Ryan episode that we did uh, last week.
0: Yes, thank you for reminding me, Tim. So, as you guys may have noticed, our last episode was our polarizing and complicated retrospective on former Ottawa Senator Bobby Ryan. I honestly feel that that was probably one of our best episodes that we put together. Because, honestly, that was one where there was no gimmicks, there was no sound cues. It was just you and I sitting down and looking back. And that was a very serious editorial, which I think was very necessary for something like that. Because as I explained in that episode, I mean, Bobby Ryan's tenure with the senators was one that was both complicated and polarizing at the same time. And I felt that overall the episode itself, I thought did it great justice.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I don't often listen back to the episodes. Uh, I'm just not a podcast guy, right? Which is ironic that I'm doing two of them, but yeah, I, think we hit the nail on the head like the tone was appropriate the content was i thought was pretty good
0: yeah and overall and it's funny because that was an episode where you would think that weeks and weeks of preparation went into that episode and honestly from us thinking of the idea to executing it was what four days maybe if that
1: maybe if that yeah
0: and honestly it was an episode that i know all of our all of our bods down in uh, Port Huron, Michigan. Really loving that episode. You know, and still, we still haven't gotten an email or a tweet from anybody from Port Huron. And I honestly would love to see that one day. I would love to talk to somebody from Port Huron who discovered our episode. And i like to talk to them. Like, how did they discover the podcast? What made them be a sense fan in a state where the Red Wings reign supreme for so long? Be interested to know. Yeah. Who's to say? That is true, man. That is true. So I know that we talked a little bit about your weekend. You talked about you and Chelsea buying your first home. I actually got a chance to watch something the other night. And this is one that, given how tense the political climate in this world is right now, it was kind of a fitting movie. So a couple of years ago, Spike Lee made a movie called The Black Klansman. And I got a chance to watch it on Netflix the other night. It was just one of those movies where I saw the trailer and I was really fascinated about it. Because the movie itself is about a rookie African-American detective named Ron Stallworth working for the Colorado Spl- Colorado Springs Police Department who is determined to make a name for himself. So he decides to infiltrate and expose the Ku Klux Klan by calling them pretending to be a white guy whose name happened to be Ron Stallworth. <laughs> Just from the trailer alone, it was one of those movies where I'm like, okay, this movie is going to be really fascinating to watch. And it came and went. I never got a chance to see it until the other night. And it popped up on Netflix. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this movie. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. I don't regret watching it. The movie, oh, it's, it actually
1: works well? the
0: movie itself is pretty well written. And it's really intense at moments. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second here. But one thing I was really surprised about was kind of like if you'd seen Django Unchained, you know that how intense and serious that movie is. But it had some like really low key funny moments in that. Funny enough, involving the KKK, obviously, in that movie. But The Black Klansman was one that the low key funniest moment in that movie happened in the trailer. Really? If you were to watch the trailer and you saw uh, Ron on the phone talking to the KKK, it's not so much his whole speech about everything he's talking about. It's at the end when he hangs up and Adam Driver, who's in that trailer, I think they... I want to say they mentioned that too. He just looks at him and he goes, you didn't really just use your real name, did you? And he he just goes, fuck, I did, did I? That movie, I... I thought I thought that movie was I, I died laughing. I thought that was hilarious. And I love those kind of subtle, low key moments where those kind of reactional moments where I think is actually very funny in movies, and that's something I've always liked. So a couple of positives I want to talk about. So the movie itself is written by Spike Lee and certain Spike Lee movies which I have seen the past. I haven't watched a ton of them. Obviously, do the right thing may say it is like do the right thing i've seen and i really liked it the movie itself is pretty well written like i said it has some low-key funny moments a couple of things i do want to talk about number one i thought the casting of those characters was pretty good you have john david washington who if you watch the hbo show ballers who played ricky he was great as ron Stallworth in that movie now John David Washington is, of course, the son of Denzel Washington. And when you watch the movie, that's the one thing I noticed. With certain things he was saying, I'm thinking, yeah, that's Denzel Washington right there. That's his kid. That's his kid. Adam Driver, who plays White Ron in the movie. He's His name is Flip.
1: Wait, wait, wait. They got Kylo Red to play the right white version of the black guy? Yeah. That's awesome.
0: He, that's a character where you really need to find the right actor for and for me i thought adam driver who i i haven't seen a ton of him i obviously know him from kylo ren and the star wars sequels but i don't know him really from anything else and i thought he was pretty convincing as a character who is jewish in the movie who then has to pretend to be a white bigot and talking about the kkk members there's one guy in particular felix He's a character who he actually was my favorite out of those guys because you watch him and everybody else is sort of like oblivious to the fact that White Ron is Jewish. And he's not. He completely sees it right away. He's like, no, like this guy's a Jew. And he was so paranoid. And the suspense where there's one scene in the movie where he has a lie detector test. And he's putting a gun to his head. I'm like, "Holy crap!" I know this is a movie, man, but this is pretty serious stuff.
1: Sounds like it, the shot selection is also very well constructed.
0: Mm-hmm. It's honestly a movie that I can't really do it justice. You kind of have to watch it to really know what I'm talking about because there is a lot of there's a lot of themes in the movie with race and all that kind of stuff that really play back and forth, and I think it works really well. And one thing in particular I do want to touch on, and this is not something that we've talked about on the show, but this is something you and I have talked about off air. Okay, so there's a character in the movie called David Duke. Now, David Duke was a...
1: He was the Grand Dragon, wasn't he?
0: I think so. David Duke was the Grand Wizard of the KKK. He was also a U.S. politician. And he's in this movie played by Topher Grace, who you might remember as Eric Foreman from that 70s show. Really? And here's the crazy thing, Tim, because Topher Grace is one of these guys where you kind of know him from a handful of things. That 70s show has been one, his role as Venom in Spider-Man 3, and that's about it. Topher Grace, I thought, was actually well-casted in this movie. Because, and you and I were talking about this, about that, and we were talking about that 70s show, and I said, there's something about Eric Foreman, there's such an underlying unlikability about about him and that's something that topher grace has always had a knack of doing well is these very unlikable characters so well and i think it's more of his mannerisms and the way he speaks and he was perfect as david duke because there's certain moments in the movie and certain things he say i just go yeah that's eric foreman yeah
1: well i think the thing is is like the real person that he's portraying i'd almost say he's like, if Eric Foreman grew up but racist, like, actually watch David Duke talk, and it's kind of sad. Yeah. And like, it's. Yeah. He could probably just recast himself as racist Eric Foreman, and that's the role.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy. And I think there's one, mo- there's one scene in the movie that's actually really low key funny where it's near the end of the movie where they have the uh, big KKK get together, and David Duke is there in like the full robe and whatever. And so Black Ron Stallworth is a police officer who's assigned to protect him in Colorado Springs when he comes to town. So there's one scene in the movie where Adam Driver's character is handed a Polaroid camera to take a picture with David Duke, Ron Stallworth, and this other guy with the KKK. And Ron's in the middle. He goes, one, two, three. And he puts his arms around him on three and gets snaps the photo. And Topher Grace in that movie, when you... He goes, Jesus H. Christ! I, I listened to that and I heard it and I was like, holy crap, he just looks like Eric Foreman, with a, even with the mustache on. <laughs> it was it was kind of unnerving because, like, you know, you watch that 70s show for so many years and then it doesn't even look like he's aged. It just looks like Eric Foreman.
1: That's weird.
0: And, you know, it, obviously the movie is based in the late 70s, right? So I, that kind of... Helps a little bit, but but yeah, like I said, like I can't do the movie justice. You've got to check it out just to know what I'm talking about. It is very well made. It is intense. You do got to keep in mind, though, there's a lot of racial slurs that are mentioned in this movie.
1: Well, no shit. He's infiltrating the clan.
0: Well, I know, but you know, some people might find that a really off-putting, right? Mm-hmm. But, but you got to go in with that context that... It's not like certain movies when they talk about racism, where those kind of tones and the racial slurs are not involved.
1: Yeah, but I think in a movie about infiltrating the KKK, you're not getting away from that.
0: No. No, and you know what? And obviously, the end of the movie ends with shots of what what happened with um, Ferguson and the black you know the Black Lives Matter and. When all these white supremacists, they're, they are have the the tiki torches, they're walking down the street in like Virginia and these places. They do end on that note, noting that things have not changed. And it's actually a very powerful thing. And that's one thing that was a little unsettling, because you watch it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's great to see, you know, it's like such a good ending to a movie. And then that hits you, and it's like, oh, that's right, things haven't changed, that's it. So okay, so we're gonna turn our attention to something that, not as serious. So we do gotta. Kind of, I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about. And we mentioned right off the top, the Senators will officially unveil their their bring the throwback two D jerseys tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I want to see what the like the full proper thing is gonna look like because throughout the leaks at uh, various stores, we've seen the fanatics versions, which usually have some slight differences from what the actual product looks like. And I haven't been happy with the throwback jersey, honestly.
0: No, it, it's a jersey that... I have to admit, it is kind of boring to look, to look at. It's a jersey that I think if I were to see it in person, I might have a different opinion on it. But the one comment I made when I saw the, the leaked video that came out on Sunday... And I messaged you and I said, the black jersey looks oddly faded.
1: That might just be the
0: camera, right? True, but yeah, I don't know. It's just weird, and I think that I, I think I have seen a Fanatics black jersey in the past, and I thought, honestly, to my eye, it did look a little tiny, tiny bit faded, very subtly, obviously, but it wasn't like a pitch black. It was like a lighter black. If that makes any sense, what I'm trying to say here, Tim. But yeah, no, no, I get you, I get
1: you,
0: yeah. But, you know, what? with the leak that happened on Sunday, I, I think the one thing that came to my mind was I don't understand why fans are like, oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing. The team's actually going to unveil it when very subtly, and this is something we actually mentioned here on the podcast, Tim, I think it was like a year or two ago, the Charlottetown Islanders of the Quebec Major Junior League brought back the PEI Senator jerseys. And that's basically what they look like. Yeah. And in a way I'm thinking Did Did they actually Unveil that actual jersey Or maybe that's just me
1: You know The hard thing is, is I don't think The Charlottetown team Has any real relationship to The Senators outside of the name
0: True so. Yeah but that's the thing right I mean it's weird because you have a fan base that They've already unveiled the logo Through the league's The jersey's been leaked. It's like, honestly, the fans and everybody else is doing a better job than the team is right now at unveiling this.
1: Honestly, yeah, fair.
0: Yeah. Well, it's um, one of the accounts I follow, uh, complete hockey coverage or whatever. I I think that's what they're referred to as. When they unveiled the 2D Sens logo, they says, what do you think? And I wrote in the comments, I says, yeah, Sens fans would be very excited to see this. Five year five weeks ago when it when the leak came out. Now it's, <laughs> it's like You like, yeah, this is nothing. We already know. I mean, I can't think of another team in recent years that have dropped the ball that hard on a Jersey unveil. I mean, yeah, you obviously see sketches and whatever of like what the mock ups would be, but not when the fan base is not when the fan base and Other people have already unveiled it.
1: Not not to mention it's showing up early in stores.
0: Although I will admit though, Tim, if they had a updated 2D logo of like a hoodie or a shirt, I would probably buy one.
1: Honestly, fair. I guess part of me was just hoping that we'd get the white stripe with the black stripe. Sorry, with the red stripe. Yeah. Just to make the jersey pop a little more. But, you know, maybe it looks better in person.
0: Maybe. And that's my big problem is that I wonder if it's going to actually look better in person. But, again, a few years ago when the NHL 100 jerseys were unveiled, that was what we even said here on the program. We said, like, eh, it just looks okay. And then we see it in person, like, those look awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I really do wish that they had the white stripe on it. I think another subtle touch I would have done, I wouldn't have gone with the, I don't even know what that shoulder patch would be referred to, the circle with the wings on them. I would remove them and just put the the O on there.
1: Yeah, like the wing with, like the circle wing with the S in it. Yeah. Yeah, I could get behind that.
0: Yeah, like the mock-up of Thomas Shabbat. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make before we head off into our recap of the Stanley Cup Finals? No, let's talk Tampa. Okay, so if you don't mind, Tim, we're actually going to take a quick break here because on last week's episode, or sorry, not last week's episode, our previous playoff episode, I actually mentioned that there was going to be a music mashup.
1: Oh, to how wrong we were?
0: No, not that. The other kind of mashup. You know, Death by Pantera or Dursilus Lint Biscuit.
1: Did you actually make Durslistle of biscuit?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Tim. Maybe we'll take a quick break and we will, we'll find out. So guys, we're going to take a really quick break here in the Third Line Plug Sensecast and we will return with our recap of the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals. Coming right back.
1: Hey, this is Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sense.com
0: and host of Internal Budget Podcast. You're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast.
1: Alright, partner, keep on rolling baby, you know what time it is.
0: Back here on the third line plug, Sensecast. So before we talk about our recap, one thing that I actually failed to mention, Tim, in our first half of this episode, was about the episode of and Chicklets where former Ottawa Senator Andy Sutton appeared on. Really? Yeah. So obviously, we've we've talked about and Chicklets here on the show in the past, and Tim's given his thoughts on it. I've given mine, but. Th- like I said, you know, there are certain episodes that I do listen to, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. So, since Twitter was actually in a bit of a buzz there this past week, or the past couple of weeks, I should say, when Andy Sutton appeared on Spit and Chicklets. Now, obviously, Andy Sutton was a longtime NHL defenseman, most notably played for the Atlanta Thrashers for a number of years, which he talked about quite a bit. One thing I really found really disappointing about the episode was, And I think this is a moment Sends fans everywhere will agree with me. He did not mention you're an expert.
1: That was way... That was so funny, though. I love that.
0: How did... Okay. How did Spittin' Chicklets drop the ball on that one?
1: I don't think... Is you're an expert even considered obscure at this point?
0: No. I don't even think so. I think... Andy Sutton, that will be the moment he's always remembered for. Because you and I were talking about this before we hit record, what exactly will Andy Sutton be remembered for, other than you're an expert?
1: Yeah, I think I saw him play a game in Vancouver once.
0: That is true, that is true. I think the only thing Andy Sutton will be remembered for is wearing the most cursed number in the history of the Ottawa Senators.
1: Number, he was a number five.
0: He was a number five. Because you look at the long list of number fives that we've had in the past. Cody Ceci. Brian Lee. Chris Phillips for a year. Uh, who else was number five? I think Sammy Sallow. I think, was number five when he played for his two.
1: Yeah.
0: So really, I mean, most careers of guys who have played number five just flamed out in Ottawa. Andy Sutton, of course, with the exception. He only really played... He didn't even play a full season with us. He was only part for us for the 2010 season and the playoffs. And, of course, the You're an Expert moment came up. But, yeah, like I said, I'm really surprised that You're an Expert was not mentioned. Because I'm sure that Andy Sutton would have talked about it. Because the only thing he talked about in that interview with Spit and Chickens about his time with Ottawa, was playing with Eric Carlson. And he said that there was one game where Eric was playing, and the next thing you know, you know... Um, The chewing tobacco Eric took a pinch of that And put it inside of his lip And went out and skated around Ew I remember hearing that And I'm thinking Why? And Andy's just laughing He goes Yeah it's like watching A fucking beer league out here Like there's Carlson just Whizzing around And you know He's got chew in his lip And it's like Gross
1: When I think of like Sports and chew It's always baseball
0: I know. I mean, it's never chewing tobacco. It's usually, like, sunflower seeds.
1: Well, it used to be chew.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, also cocaine was very prevalent in baseball, too, so.
1: I mean, cocaine was prevalent in many Philadelphia sporting facilities.
0: Yeah. We're looking at you, Mike Richards.
1: But yeah, I'm not surprised that he didn't have a bunch to say about the Sanders He only played 24 games with them, so that's like two months, if that. Yeah, and that was a good series that he was in, though, eh? And like that that massive hit on
0: Jordan Leopold, where he like pushed him into the penalty box. I'm sorry, were you asking me or were you telling me? I'm telling you. So you're an expert. Yes. You're an expert. Yes. You said you saw it. You said you were there, and you said you know <laughs> that you're you're an expert.
1: You know, he never played for Tortorella, but he learned from the best when it came to handling media.
0: That is true. That
1: is that's that's tr- a torts answer.
0: That is a total torts answer. Especially with Brooksy in New York. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Tim, so I think we've wasted enough time. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup Finals between the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning, a series in which the Tampa Bay Lightning were crowned Stanley Cup champions in six games. couple of things we got to talk about. Number one, I don't know how you felt about it. I actually thought this series was actually closer than most people expected. Majority of these games were one-goal games, with the shot count being fairly close in majority of these games.
1: Yeah, and two of the three went to overtime. Sorry, two of the five went to overtime. You mean six? Six. It's a good thing I can count, man. We'll get there, but uh, yeah, two of the six went to overtime, and uh, one went to double overtime. So, like, these were close games.
0: Absolutely, man. And one thing that a couple of things that really impressed me about this series: the play of Antonko Dolbin. We've said this throughout all of these episodes. This is a guy that kept Dallas in it for most of the part, and ultimately the real killer for the Dallas Stars. Was the depth of the Tampa Bay Lightning?
1: Well, it's with Kubota. It's tough because you could see by the by the last game he was cooked.
0: True, but even if you look at his save percentage and the saves that he was making, you could absolutely see that yeah he was cooked, but he was still out there trying to keep Dallas in it.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Like you can't detract from the effort, but they just wore they just wore on the guy.
0: Yeah, the guy Uh, just ran out of gas.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the hard thing for Dallas, the top guys didn't score. Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov, and uh, Jamie Benn combined for zero goals.
0: Yeah. Well, Tyler Sagan in Game 5 had three assists, though. So you can't say that Sagan didn't really show up in this series.
1: Yeah, but if you're not getting any goals from your top three players you're going to have a rough time. Like, uh, one thing I do want to say about the Stars is that Joe Pavelski showed that he's still a big game player.
0: Especially in Game 4 when he had two goals in that game. And another guy who also had two goals in the next game, Game 5, who is also a veteran, is Corey Perry. Because he had two goals on nine shots.
1: This sounds like... A lot of these teams sound like... Be a GM mode from, like, NHL 12. Like... Honestly, at the start of 2019, or even, yeah, at the start of the season, who had uh, Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry leading the Dallas Stars in goals scored during the Stanley Cup Finals for Dallas?
0: During a pandemic.
1: We don't even have to include the pandemic part.
0: True, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, and it is so weird because... It is very interesting to see that the veteran guys are the ones that showed up. But if you look at the last several teams, it's always vets that always end up showing up. You know, your Ryan O'Reilly's, your Patrice Bergeron's, guys like that who will step up, even if your top guys aren't scoring.
1: Mm -hmm. But if we're going to look at the hero on the Tampa Bay side, there's depth up and down that lineup. But I'm going to have to say that this is Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov's world. We're just living in it. Point had five goals, three assists for eight points leading the series, which is absolutely insane. Like,
0: that's crazy. I think it's pretty much safe to say at this point that this was Braden Point's coming out party because you watched the Lightning last year, and there were so many guys that put up points. Steven Stamkos put up points. Hedman put up points. Kucherov just grabbed the league by the balls and just ran with it. And when they got to 62 wins, everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're going to win the Cup. And then they got swept. But speaking about Steven Stamkos, he did return for this series. He
1: played a game and got a goal, and it it was awesome.
0: Yeah, he returned to the lineup for Game 3, scored on his second shift, and then pieced out of the game and the series.
1: Yeah, um, but still, it was really awesome to see Stamkos even be able to suit up for a game.
0: It was. And the funny thing in that second shift, when he, the little move he made to go around the defenseman, you would have never thought the guy was hurt. You would have thought, holy crap, this guy's at full strength. But. It's
1: just so insane. It is. And here's another thing. Uh, Do you think that at the beginning of the season, you would hear Tampa Bay succeeds without Steven Stamkos? Like, that's crazy talk.
0: You know what? Call me crazy, there's a part of me that could see that. But here's why. It's simply because you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning's roster, they're built to secede whether Stamkos is there or not. Because That's true. even without him in the lineup, who do they still have? Kucherov, Point, Yanni Gouda, Tyler Johnson, Hedman, Sergeyev, uh,
1: Andre Pallat. Andre Palat. Yeah. Yeah, so Blake Coleman pitched in for 13 points.
0: Yeah, another depth pickup, and also a former Dallas starter, too.
1: Bart, and then their first-round trade for Bartley Goodrow.
0: I know, that's so weird that they actually dealt a first for him. Yeah. But in fairness, well, I was going to say in fairness, the Islanders decided to say, you know, let's give Ottawa a first, second, and third for Pejo, but that, that worked out for them, so, you know, you can't really complain.
1: Honestly, yeah. Yeah.
0: One guy, and I'm amazed you haven't brought him up yet in this episode, Tim. Victor Hedman, Conn Smythe winner. 10 goals, 12 assists for 22 points in 25 games, including one goal and six assists in the Stanley Cup Finals alone.
1: And what's crazy is he he fell two goals short of Paul Coffey's record.
0: And that's a record that, I'm not going to lie, I was actually amazed that it's Paul Coffey that has that record. Because you think of a lot of the biggest defensemen in the game, like the Bobby Orrs and Guy Ray Borks of the world, who were just dominating everywhere. I'm not surprised that it's Paul Coffey put up those kind of numbers because that's the kind of player he was. But if you were to tell me that he held the record for the playoffs as for a defenseman... I don't know if I would argue with that, but I'm like... I don't know if that's the first guy I would have thought of, to be perfectly honest with you.
1: Honestly, yeah. But uh, the fact that Victor Hedman came so damn close... It's really just kind of a testament to the all round type of player that Victor Hedman is.
0: And he's a guy who... I think a lot of hockey fans should be ashamed of themselves. Because he is a guy... When you talk about the best defenseman in the game... How many people do you think before these playoffs would have said Victor Hedman? Because you go down the list, there's so many guys out there that you would have put ahead of them. And notably, a lot of like the mainstream guys and a lot of the middle, like the common people, right? Who would you mention? Drew Doughty, Bram Burns, Carlson at one time, sadly. Nobody would have said Victor Hedman.
1: Roman Yost, he's another guy who also, I don't think, gets enough respect. No, he true. Did, I think he deserved to win the Norris this year. But uh, after this playoffs, I think Victor Hedman's gotten the respect. He will get the respect that he's due for being one of the best NHL defensemen of the modern era.
0: It's so true. And uh think, in 2009, even though John Tavares was the number one pick, he was number two. How many people would, do you think would have remembered that? After you're like, yeah, John Tavares was the superstar that went on to do great things in NHL. If you ask people, who went next after him? I don't think a lot of people would have said Hedman. People, well, who
1: was number three that year? Was it Nick or? uh For
0: 2009, I think it was uh, Zach Bogosian. Oh, okay. going to quickly look. Uh, no, number three was Matt Duchesne. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it went Tavares, Hedman, Duchenne, Evander Kane, Braden Shen, Oliver Ackman Larson, and Nazem Kadri.
1: Man, that 2009 draft was good.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. Scott Glennie at number 8. Jared Cowan at number 9. We're not going to talk oh. about him. Uh, former sends great Magnus P R V at number 10. But there were some decent pickups here. I mean, Calvin DeHaan went at number 12.
1: Anders Lee was in that draft as well.
0: Anders Lee, Minnesota picked up Nick Letty. Chris Kreider was picked up by the Rangers. Uh, Who else was picked here? Kyle Palmieri in the first round. Ryan O'Reilly at number 33. So, no, that's
1: a pretty solid draft.
0: And that's just the first round.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, here's the funny thing, Tim. And I think this was a series that I tried my best to follow as closely as I can. Ultimately, I think only maybe one game I actually got a chance to sit down and watch, and that was game six. Because we were here last week recording last week's episode, and then while I was editing, I put the game on, so I got a chance to watch the end of that game. I do want to comment one thing. Is, did you notice when Gary Bettman came out, there was no pre-recorded booze?
1: Which is funny, because... They allegedly recorded them.
0: Gary wanted them. Gary wanted to come out to un- to uh, pre-recorded booze too. He specifically asked for it.
1: Because that'd be funny. You
0: know? No, it's hilarious. And part of me actually thought about maybe we should have recorded an intro for this episode where we just recorded... Or we had that clip with some like stock-recorded booze over top of it. But I figured... Ah, uh, that's a lot of work.
1: For not a lot of payoff, yeah.
0: yeah. Would have been funny, though. Yeah. I mean, not as funny as, uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers great Tom Brady sending a congratulatory tweet to the Tampa Bay Lightning on their Super, or Super Bowl win, on their Stanley Cup win.
1: What did that look like? Awkward. Really?
0: That's just, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe because I'm not used to Tom Brady sending congrats to a team from Tampa. You know, after all the years that he was probably sending them to, like, the Celtics and the Bruins Bruins. and the Red Sox for winning championships, that it's so weird that he's not doing that for a team that's not in Boston.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I was going to ask if he was just kissing his kids in the middle of the tweet or something.
0: No, he's not David Beckham. He's not doing that stuff.
1: Uh, okay, but uh, enough ragging on uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend Tom Brady. Uh, let's talk some games.
0: Sure. Do you want to talk about some games, Tim?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think game one, it's pretty easy to summarize what happened. Tampa Bay, they cleaned up their. Se- they finished their series, uh, another series with a lot of overtime against the New York Islanders. I think two, three days before the series started. Yeah. So it was a really quick turnaround, and uh, Dallas pounced on the entire team. One thing that you do notice when you're watching this game, Tampa Bay comes alive in the third period. Like, some of that is score effects because teams do tend to let off when they are leading, but Tampa was all over the puck at, like, the end half the period and going, end half of the second in, just put the metal to the middle in the third, so... If you recall uh, when we were doing the end of our third round wrap-up, I said that don't sleep on this Tampa team because they have the ability to crack open this series at will, and you really see it starting in this game.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I really noticed, obviously, is how Tampa Bay greatly outshot Dallas and still lost. Because they outshot him 36-19, to 19, and they lost 4-1. So that was a game where Kondolbin really stood on his head to keep
1: them in there. One thing, though, that Dallas did really well, is they did a good job of keeping Tampa Bay to the outside. But at the same time, I'm not taking this away from and where regular game from the types of shots they were getting and the amount of shots they are getting you'd expect them to get about three goals but and talk about it saved two goals above what he should have so hats off to him in this game
0: do you want to move on and talk about game two tim
1: yeah yeah game two is uh this is a game where dallas digs themselves into a massive hole in uh- special teams
0: Well, especially even in the goals department after one period where they were down 3-0 and then Dallas fought back to make it a one-goal game but just couldn't get themselves in that extra gear to put them over the top.
1: For sure. And the other thing is that, yeah, Tampa, like, they took way too many
0: penalties and Tampa burned them twice on the special teams. It is true, but also these kind of games are going to happen when you see... Guys like Kucherov had six shots. Uh, Coleman had four shots. Palat had four shots. Barkley Goudreau had three shots. And the funny thing about all those guys I mentioned, only Palat scored. Kucherov didn't score. Coleman didn't score. Palat didn't score. And Goudreau didn't score.
1: But at the same time, you can't be taking six penalties in the first period against a team as lethal as Tampa Bay. Like you're gonna get burned for that. This like this is a team that was clicking at about like their power play efficiency goals per power play. They were at a third, so one in three power plays. You're gonna they're gonna score. You can't be giving Tampa Bay six opportunities, three opportunities in the first period. That's a recipe for disaster.
0: It is, and even when we yes, yeah, but sons... your
1: point stands that Tampa Bay was fantastic at five on five.
0: True, but and, and even looking at Dallas's stats here, and it wasn't like Dallas were a bunch of slouches either. Like there was a number of guys who had three shots. Pavelski had five shots. So you have Dallas like that who have that kind of firepower, that shooting, but it's not going in.
1: No, because again, like Vasilevsky played very well this game as well.
0: He did. He did. Now let's. I'm going to quickly have a look here. Yeah, because he had. 27 saves, a .931 save percentage with two goals again. So, yeah, he played very well. One thing I'm noticing is that Sergeyev, looking at his stats, he really didn't have uh, much of a Stanley Cup Finals, to be perfectly honest.
1: It's tough because I don't think he showed up on the score sheet, but watching those games, man, Sergachev looked really good. Because the big thing about Sergeyev is he's always in the right position, And he's one of the really good bumper guys. So he keeps the puck. He's really good at keeping the puck in the zone or getting controlled exits and entries. So he may not show up on the score sheet, but he's very good at keeping the play alive so that Tampa gets that second or third effort. And what's absolutely bonkers about uh, game two is that the dude like uh, Sergeyev has at five on five, 80% of the shots and shot attempts are coming off of Tampa Bay Sticks when he's on the ice in that game, which is unheard of.
0: So, Tim, I don't really have any comments to make on game two. Game three, I do want to talk a little bit about because this was a game Victor Hedman, I would easily say right now, probably single-handedly won that game for them. Because when you look at, like, he had one goal, two assists for three points and four shots. Now, that's no slouch to anybody else on that team. And obviously, you see Point had four shots, Palat had three shots, but everybody was scoring. And Hedman definitely was the guy for the Lightning in that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that was a game where Kadobin, I mean, he just got lit up. When you get scored on five times on 29 shots... That's a rough night. Oh, totally. But look at where the pucks were coming from, dude.
1: I know. They were... Three of the goals came right from the slot. That's prime real estate. And Tampa Bay was swarming around there all night. Like, their their shot selection was dirty. Stamkos came and put one in for good measure. And the only player that wasn't anywhere close to Corsi positive was Tyler Johnson everyone else was just cooking and uh, when we're talking about Tampa Bay's ability to just break open a game and run with it this is what we're talking about even when Tampa Bay shut the door in the third outside of Miro Heiskinen's goal Dallas couldn't get anything going and this game it reminded me a lot of uh the game that tampa just absolutely tore open new york where anytime it looked like there was going to be a hint of new york getting momentum tampa just really threw it on and within five minutes they'd have a goal
0: so tim i have no more comments on this one if you want to head on to where we are now, uh, game four
1: game four oh this was this was a fun one to watch
0: It was, and I think this was the game that I did watch parts of it because... I'm trying to remember what I was doing that night. Was I recording? No. I don't remember what I was doing that night. I think I might have been working. And it was a game where I got home and I watched a bit of the highlights. And you know what? It was a pretty good game. Joe Pavelski, though. I mean, that's a guy who, as we said... At the beginning, I mean, that's it's always those kind of veteran guys that really help out in that series. This is a game where Joe Pavelski really stepped up for Dallas. When you have two goals on two shots, and Tyler Sagan has two assists on three shots, and Ben has an assist, and it wasn't like it was just the top guys doing it. You had Klingberg, you had Lindell with hammering shots, Radloff had three shots, So they're getting shots from everywhere. The only thing that really didn't help them, now in fairness, Tampa Bay had quite a number of great shots in that game, was Kudolbin, But I don't blame it on that because, honestly, it's tough to have pretty good numbers when you're letting in five goals.
1: It is. And the other thing is just Tampa Bay just stormed the crease in the slot again. Like, they just got right in there and were relentless. And uh, they were getting two even-strength goals, two goals on the—sorry, three goals on the power play. So this was another example of just Tampa Bay finding ways to score goals pretty much at will. And they looked really good doing it. And that overtime, just—Tampa came out and just stormed the ice. And Dallas never really saw the puck. It was honestly kind of insane. And this is surprising for a team that, like, Dallas started the overtime period with a penalty, sorry, with a power play and couldn't do anything with it. Yeah.
0: Was this the game where Ben took a penalty in overtime and that's how Tampa ended up winning it? Yeah.
1: With Shattenkirk, of all people, putting the overtime winner away.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, did you see the comment that was made after that game where, I think it was Tyler Johnson was the guy that Ben tripped up. And I think somebody on Dallas says, well, how hard could it have been? All you had to do was blow you know, blow him over. He would have fell over, fell down.
1: Honestly, though, was that the one where Tyler Johnson got hit in the nuts with the stick? I can't
0: recall if that was the game or not, Tim.
1: Because I think that's the one where, Jay, like, I remember watching that play and thinking, like, yeah, that's a call, yeah, you can't let that one go sort of call like this whole game was exciting to watch. And like at a game where there's nine goals scored, you love to see it. Like it was just really good back and forth hockey. And like the Yanni Gord power play goal, I particularly remember just because of just how nice of a shot that was.
0: For sure. For sure. Uh, you know, what's funny, Tim, when you were mentioning Tyler Johnson getting hit in the nuts with a stick, you know, all I could hear in my head, <laughs> All I thought of was Hans Molman getting hit in the testes with the football Honestly, I'm not one for
1: overuse of the soundboard But Hans Molman, man getting hit by football Is one of my near-dear-to-my-heart favorite Simpsons clips
0: Is it up there for you with uh, Homer nervously eating a pretzel? I think it's higher Yeah Well, keep in mind, Tim, like, we really don't use a soundboard very often here anymore.
1: Honestly, I think now it's just the Vegas episodes.
0: Yeah, but even that, though, we really, uh, we we hardly used them.
1: Have we grown up?
0: No. Well, yeah, maybe. Honestly, I think the only reason that we don't use it is because I don't know how to hook one up to my computer so I can start using it. But it's probably for the Uh, best. Come on, we're not in season one anymore, okay? Jeez.
1: This is for the better.
0: Yeah. yeah, I can only hear you scoff at me from fucking how many thousands of miles away.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, so like, if anyone will ever has like two hours to kill and they want to go back and watch a playoff game, this is what I'd recommend. Like, it was wall-to-wall action and not there weren't many dull moments. So like, if you want to watch a complete game, this is definitely one of them.
0: I would agree. I would agree for sure. So we got another overtime we're to talk about, Tim. Game five, this one went to not one overtime, but two overtimes.
1: Remember how I said that the last game was if you have two hours to kill, go and want to watch an old playoff game, watch that one? Yeah. Don't watch this one. This one dragged.
0: Like, how bad did it drag? Did it drag, like... A 17-18 Sens hockey game, or Dragas is not that interesting?
1: It, there were there were long stretches where there was a lot of shots, but they weren't good. And you could tell that Tampa wasn't fully there. And I'm actually surprised that this one ended up going to double overtime. But uh, once you got to overtime, too, you really got the feeling that Dallas was going to take it. And it was weird because I remember thinking, going, in, going into watching this game, I thought this game was going to be the game where Tampa Bay takes it because by the end of Game 5, man, Dallas looked cooked.
0: Yeah, they just started running out of gas by that point.
1: Yeah, like, it was slow. They were taking a lot of bad penalties again. Uh, and I thought that, like, during, during regulation, I thought that Tampa was the better team, but then overtime came and I was just like, come on. And even during during first overtime, Dallas was kind of dead.
0: Were they just tired or just going through the bases at that point?
1: They looked tired. But one thing that Dallas did very well, they they really concentrated their firepower. And uh, I think this was the best game they got out of their veterans and, yeah,
0: definitely out of their veterans because you had two goals from Corey Perry and a goal from Joe Pavelski. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the stats right here. Corey Perry, two goals on nine shots. Pavelski had a goal on two shots. But Tyler Sagan, even with three assists, and I think that, I'm trying to think he had five, five assists or six assists in the series. So you can't say that he didn't show up. Even though he didn't score a goal, he was definitely trying to make plays happen. Yeah. It's just that his line itself wasn't scoring it. Well,
1: they split they split Sagan from Ben and Radulov and put him with... Perry and Kibby Ranta. So the second Perry line actually worked pretty well. Like Corey Perry and Kibby Ranta had, they were the only positive Corsi players for Dallas in a game where just the puck possession play was completely dominated by Tampa Bay.
0: For sure. And I'm just looking at Tampa stats right here. And you're absolutely right. This is a game Tampa should have won because I'm looking at the stats. And it's like five shots, five shots, four shots, three, three, two, two. So you get a lot of shots out of a lot of guys. It's just that Pallad and Sergeyev were the only ones that ended up getting goals for them.
1: And that Sergeyev goal was nice.
0: Yeah, actually it was. That was a really actually, nice goal. And then
1: both teams just rang really close shots off the post. So, like, this game easily could have been 3-3 or it could have been dealt with in regulation. Like, that's just how close of a game this was. And I was actually really surprised that they played these games in uh, back-to-back. And it was back-to-back games that had, between the two games, three periods overtime. That's a lot of hockey.
0: Yeah, that is a lot of hockey, man.
1: And I don't blame Dallas and Tampa for kind of slowing down in, like, the overtime periods. Uh, it definitely really isn't the greatest for them, but, it, like, it is what it is, eh? Because, like, longer stretch of hockey in this playoffs, I think, was uh, Tampa versus Columbus, where they played a back-to-back, and the first game had five overtime periods. So, yeah. No. And I, I remember that Perry goal being a very... Bear- It was a very Corey Perry goal. Let's put it that way.
0: Honestly, yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. To be perfectly honest with you. Because that was a goal where he was in the slot, the puck bounces out, and he just swats at it.
1: And honestly, that's kind of how overtime goals are. That is true. But but yeah, I don't think they have much more to say about this one.
0: So now we've come to this, Tim. Game 6. The Tampa Bay Lightning took this one... Two to nothing to sec- to secure their second Stanley Cup in franchise history. One thing I will mention about this, Tim, I can't remember who who made the tweet, and they said that Tampa Bay and Ottawa came in the league at the same time, and yet Tampa Bay has two more cups than we do.
1: Uh, that was Bruce Firestone.
0: I don't think that was Firestone. I think that was somebody else. But I think. Bruce did tweet. He says, now who's everybody going to cheer for? Obviously not oh, Tampa because gotcha, gotcha. they're our expansion brethren. No, I think I would have remembered if it was uh, Bruce, but I don't think it was him. I'll just quickly double check here. I don't think it was. No, I think it was like Steve on Sens or something. Uh, okay. Oh, never mind. No, well, Bruce did put out his own tweet. He says, two expansion... Two NHL expansion franchises born the same day in December nineteen ninety. One has two Stanley Cups. The other zero. Dang, congrats Tampa Bay. What, oh. a, what a great guy.
1: This is a classic put away game.
0: Yeah, this was the only game that, like I said, this is the only game I really got a chance to sit and watch. Tampa Bay just fucking dominated Dallas, there's, there's no way, no other way to put it. To be perfectly honest with you.
1: Well, it's like Tampa Bay comes out come out hard early, get two goals, and then park the bus. Actually, it's not even really parking the bus, because Tampa Bay was still... They were getting their looks until about the last half of the third period when they're like, right, we're locking this one down. And Dallas couldn't really do anything about it. Even with the late power plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was very, very sad to see our expansion brother win the Stanley Cup, but it's also much more sad that I will now not get the chance to watch a socially distanced Stanley Cup parade. Yeah. However, the Lightning Cup parade, though, that was that was something else.
1: I didn't get a chance to watch it.
0: So basically what the Tampa Bay Lightning did is because they're socially distancing, they can't have people in the streets. So basically what they did is that they rented a bunch of boats and they just boated along the the long stretch of water they have in downtown Tampa Bay while holding the Stanley cup.
1: Okay. That's kind of cool though.
0: It is. I mean, Alex, or, um, he was riding on a jet ski with stamp coast on the back hole, hosting the Stanley cup. The best part of that whole thing though, was that they had the coast guard there and the coast guard over these speakers is like attention, attention, Tampa Bay, stop pouring beer into the water. The fish is getting very drunk. Oh,
1: that's hilarious.
0: Yeah, and somebody on Twitter made a mention that when the Stanley, when the Suns win the Stanley Cup eventually, they want to see Brady to chuck on a jet ski down the Rideau Canal.
1: They're, you kill your jet ski. But, uh... You know no, what? That's
0: that needs to be happening. We need shirtless Brady to chuck on a jet ski with the Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, I'd pay to watch that, but, uh... No, all I watched, I watched the award ceremony when they handed out the Consmite and the Stanley Cup, and the pyrotechnics were sweet.
0: I know. Eat your heart out, WWE.
1: Yeah. We should do more of that. And I, I know we can't. There's fans in the stands. But we should find a way to do it safely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it would be amazing to see that in the stadium.
1: Honestly, the NHL playoffs. As a whole, I think they went off way better than anyone expected.
0: You know, and I think that's something that a lot of people aren't giving Gary Batman enough credit for, is that we went through a playoffs of over sixty days without a single positive test. Especially or when you can
1: com- real disruption.
0: Yeah, when you compare that to other sports leagues like baseball, like the NFL, which are now getting positive tests. This is a huge triumph for the NHL.
1: Yeah, and just the fact that everything worked exactly as expected. The only real logistical issue was Columbus and Tampa decided to play two, almost three games worth of hockey in one sitting. But you can't blame that on the NHL. No. So, like... Yeah, these playoffs worked really well. There were a lot of times where I forgot there weren't fans in the stands.
0: That is true. That is true because, and we've mentioned in other episodes, that the crowd noise worked so well. It You wouldn't even have th- thought that there was no fit buddy in the stands. Yeah. Although the social media stuff was lacking in the last two rounds, though.
1: Eh. What are you going to do?
0: Well, I'll tell you what we can do, Tim. It's almost like we need uh, someone like Craig Medaglia back.
1: I miss Craig.
0: I miss Craig, too. I wonder what he's up to now. He's probably at a fancy wine and cheese party.
1: I thought those were banned.
0: True. Maybe he's just having a private wine and cheese party by himself.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: What do you? What kind of cheese do you think Craig's into? Gouda? White cheddar. Hard to say. moderate Jack, maybe. Well, no. What about uh, Pepper Jack?
1: This is, this is a weird direction for a conversation, Tay.
0: Okay, you know what? For all of our listeners out there, somebody please tweet at Craig Daglia and find out what kind of cheese he would eat at a fancy Y and G's party.
1: <laughs> We're eagerly awaiting. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only thing kind of left is. Uh, we're heading into, as we said at the top of the episode, draft of free agency. And uh, Tampa, Dallas, is they've got a lot of stick cap space that they can use to kind of retool as they see fit. Tampa's the interesting one.
0: Especially with uh, Miguel Segarchev, too.
1: Yeah, because they have $5 million of space.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's always, there's been talk in the... Uh in the Twitter-verse about guys like Anthony Shirelli, Tyler Johnson, Sergeant Chaff being moved. So it is going to be very interesting. We've mentioned that in the past. So we're going to have to wait and find out, Tim.
1: But honestly, if there's a, like a GM that I trust to keep a team under cap and keep it competitive, it would be Grisbois. Because the fact that he
0: has the roster that he currently has is nothing short of impressive. It is. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make if you just want to head off into the close for another season. Sounds good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're part of the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network, where you can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 901 Badger, and I'm at Great G R Eight. W-A-T-E, GIFSTER. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about our coverage of the 2020 NHL playoffs, shoot us an email. sense guys at gmail.com And also don't forget, if you are listening to our show on iTunes, please give us a 5-star rating.
1: Yeah, so we'll be talking to y'all after the draft, where one of Tim Stutzel or Quinton Byfield will be a proud Ottawa Senator
0: for sure so Tim usually with these episodes we would close off with a music cue but I feel that we're going to close off this episode by the clip that ended the 2019-20 NHL season until next time guys I am your host Taylor Gibson
1: and this has been Tim Jantze
0: go Sens guys
1: and to get a trigger pull of a shot that
0: went wide that time was Goodrow And the Tampa Bay Lightning have won the Stanley Cup!